to That's Dope, the podcast. My name is God's Will. I got a special guest with me, Ify. Been wanting hey. to hang out with him for so long, ever since I moved to LA. Uh, you know, I don't think we actually like have hung out in person yet. I know. Huh? We, we, we've hung out more before you were in LA. Yeah. Than when you've actually been posted up. Yeah. I mean, how, I mean, like, how, how have you been? <laughs> I feel like that's the only thing. You, you know, like, honestly, life is good. Life is good. You know, like, uh, you know, like, especially like with just, how crazy life is you know in oh, the yeah. world honestly mm-hmm. i'm really grateful that like life is good you know other than romance but <laughs> you know otherwise i'm happy you know yeah. and then i'm also really proud of you you know like it's, it's an honor to be able to talk to with you because you're you're just killing it you're killing it like you're you're out there trying like, to not even trying dude you're doing it i mean <laughs> you got yourself a blue check mark you know here you are oh, yeah. like showing off trying to be the strongest on twitch uh you know like and like you just like every tv show wants you on right um you know you're doing well for the black nerds and nigerian nerds and it's like yes i gotta talk to my brother over here so oh yeah i I mean appreciate you coming through anytime you know you got it and i know the the schedule we you know we've been getting the schedule down right and it's been like last week was kind of like a hell week because it was all on me and and this will kind of come back into whatever we end up talking with but you know i'm the king of i've built this everything i've done on a bad habit of two things one always saying yes even though i may not have checked the calendar Uh. and um and then still refusing to check that calendar regularly. Like I literally have a calendar date at the end of of the week, Friday. That's like check next week's Cal. And I always do check it. (laughs) But the problem is, is that I might, I can check the Cal, but if I didn't put it in, then it's like a wrap. Uh, But yeah. So essentially what happened was I had a shoot. It was like literally, that day i was triple booked because i had a shoot that day that i totally didn't realize was that day because also i do this thing i don't know if you do it where if you are told something or you plan something and you have a mind of the time frame without actually checking the time frame so i was doing this shoot uh well it happens i could just talk freely about it but i did Mm -hmm. that twitch shopping show and And like when it was, you know, when they offered it to me, they're like, it'll be, um, it'll, you'll have a rehearsal and then you'll have it. So in my head, I was thinking, you know, rehearsal one week, then we'll do a rehearsal the next week and then we go and do it. But it actually was rehearsal a day before, then the next day is, it was the shoot. So that Thursday, you know, I was supposed to do this and then also, Earlier that Monday, someone was like, hey, Thursday, can you uh, hop on the pod? And I was like, yeah, not realizing that I already was booked for two things that Thursday without my knowledge. And then it just ended up running late. But now, you know, you have me on a Monday. I'm wide open. It's nothing but me and you. Uh, But yeah, that's pretty much. Yeah. If if anyone needs any advice, it's uh, update that cow and check it regularly. And look at it, actually, right? <laughs> Maybe it sounds like you need the widget on you. You know, just front screen, just be like, "This is happening today." And also, well, to put the stuff in the cal, right? Here, here's the here's the thing. Yeah, is like whenever it's someone else do it. Like, shout out to everyone who sets meetings 
and then sends a cal invite y'all the real mvps those <laughs> i never miss when that when i get those i'm there why because i didn't have to even do anything you yeah. you sent it and it went straight to my cow i'll see it but anything that is like an agreement uh, where you're depending on me to remember, oh, man, that's a dice roll. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Which is great. Good for me to know, too. Uh, yeah. You know, because to be honest, like, I'm I'm sort of like you. You know, yeah. I think uh, I think it's a Nigerian thing, honestly. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like, you know, I don't mind, like, really, like, coming late to things. You know, I try. I'm trying better to be on time. Yeah. I'm trying to remember all the things I said I was going to do, but I feel it. You know, I feel like it's in our in our blood somehow. Or so. Oh, I, I definitely, yeah. I remember when my dad would throw these Nigerian parties, he'd always say, put the hour that like put it an hour earlier than you want people to be there so they can get there on time. Three hours for Nigerians. unfortunately. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That told me every that told me everything I needed to know. I was like, okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Especially for parties. I mean, I I don't blame it, you know, so. I'm recovering myself, but you know, I'm going to try to do that. I'm going to try to actually like put the invite out there and just boom, here we go. We're doing it this time. Oh yeah. You know, honestly, I'm glad that we finally made it happen. I was like, I hope so. I hope so. But you know, I I know you're a busy guy. So, you know, it means. Oh yeah. No, I had it. I I strategically picked this one because Mondays are usually very clear for me. The start of the week is very chill. So yeah, I was actually just like, cooling and then i I started i was like oh snap i need to finish this after school program application for naomi and then like i saw your text and i was like well let me put the last touches on and then i'll come i'll come through so i didn't i'm glad it worked out gave me time to eat my burrito too so (laughs) oh i'm a a big eat while while um podcast guy oh really okay specifically yeah i'm always eating and and the editors always hate me for it i mean right chewing into the mic (laughs) oh yeah i try i I try and mute with the chews but sometimes you got that crunchy thing Mm. (laughs) sometimes you just hey i don't blame you especially like you're bulking you know you you know your muscles need that energy but yeah yeah you know trying my best so (laughs) i guess can you tell me like what all are you up to now and like yeah like how'd you also get into it too Oh, yeah. Uh, So to answer the first question of what I'm up to now, like right now, I am currently writing for a show on NBC called Grand Crew, which you'll be able to peep in 2022 as it stands, uh, um, which has been super exciting. And I'm also writing for a video game called Apex Legends, uh, which you can play right now for (laughs) free. Uh, Yeah. And so outside of that, you know, stand up improv here and there and uh you know little things here and there like hosting for twitch's uh twitch's pog picks shopping show doing like little gigs here and there i just have a thing where i just i have to keep working and if i can fit it in my schedule then i'll then i'll do it it's it it truly is wild this is the second time i've been able to uh work you know two gigs at the same time and it's never on purpose uh (laughs) like it it truly i wish i could be like yep this is how i try and line it up like at the early beginning of uh 2020 i started writing for this sci-fi show called uh um, the great debate and and that happened after the at the end of the previous year i kind of tested for this show 
called Super Punch that was going to be on TBS and Twitch. And that was like a long process. I think I tested somewhere in like August, September. Didn't really hear back anything till like November, December. Also, and what does it mean then, to test, by the way? Oh, yeah. Sorry. Uh, so, I, yeah. And please keep doing that because sometimes I'll just do like the shorthand. And yeah, for really, sure. For sure. Yeah. Uh, but test is is a chemistry test and that typically is like the last final stage like if you're you know auditioning for a pilot the audition process is usually um you audition uh for the casting director if they like you they call you back and you'll either do a callback with the casting director or luckily you'll you can go call back with producers usually if they like that Either there's another producer callback or you do what's called a chem test. Um, and they take many forms. Like, you know, I've done chem tests for like cable shows and that one is more chill. Like you kind of go in and it's like a final audition and then you get like an offer. But when we're talking about network TV, it's even wilder because what they do is like you are they basically carve out your contract before you um before you even audition because it's down to like you and maybe like one or two other people so essentially they're setting it up so that after this pick you it's it, we can just get straight to business so like you're you're carving out your whole contract which makes it even spicier because you're already spending that money in your head like you seeing how much you're getting paid per episode and it's and it's looking nice, you know, and and you don't you ain't even got the role yet, but you you got the paper and your agents are signing off on it. So if you do get it, that is how much you're going to get. So like Kim test can be real heartbreakers because you see in all this and then you you know, you go in there, you do you give them what you have, you give them your best. And then they're like, OK, we good. And you're like, But that that money I saw, what what happens to that? That sucks. Um, yeah, with this, it wasn't like that. It was, uh, it was like the more typical, usually cable Kim, uh, Kim test isn't. Uh, you'll, it's just like another audition, but like you're in front of like the execs and and every, you know the the people makers. And this, and the process was pretty interesting. They had like about eight of us, and they knew they wanted three hosts, so they had. Or they had way more than eight of us. I'd say they had about. I'd, I'd say they had about um, twelve of us. Six, uh, six, uh, six guys, six girls, and um, six men, six women, and then like it was almost also kind of cut in half. Where like half were people who worked with E League before and were on like the you know sports commentator side. So like you have you know like golden boy and you know tasty steve like you know those like og like um, big name and people who have worked and then the other side was comedy people so you had like me jd uh kelly nugent um and even like you know uh, mark supreme dreams was there uh so you, you had like they had heavy hitters and so what they did was they just kept mixing up the the three people and just put them in different groups and just hadn't us had us going off the prompter reading copy kind of running through the show and we did that and then we got shipped home i was feeling good i was like okay i think i crushed it uh and then like people who uh who who didn't get it heard back and then i didn't hear anything i was like oh bet cool and then the people who did get it heard back 
I still didn't hear anything. I was like, what? Uh, okay. What? Okay. So I was like in London. So I finally like hit my contact. I was like, what's good? And they're like, oh, we want you to host the Twitch portion. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I got to host the Twitch, Twitch portion and that's all I kind of knew. It was like, it was like, we're still working out the details because this was like a joint venture between uh, Turner and Twitch. I was like, all right, bet. Um, and so then it goes into the next year and they're still kind of like talking about like what it is. I mean, I definitely like they, they worked out like the logistics back in the logistics, but as far as like when it starts was still kind of in the air. And then I, you know, my manager was like, Hey, uh, they're doing the show called great debate. You know, uh, do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, um, let me talk. And we had like a meeting and it was like a nerdy debate show. I was like, Oh, this is cake. Let me run it. And, 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 but I was like, Oh, but I might have this, um this show but what worked about it was that the the twitch stream started at like seven so it was technically after but i was like but i might need to leave a little early just to make it there and they're like bet we'll accommodate that and then they both started at the same time so that's how i was like working like two jobs i was like and it was it was truly a gauntlet because i'd wake up at five drive all the way down to culver city right on great debate till about 5 30 hop in traffic to from culver to burbank get to set do my super punch show till about 11 30 sleep rinse repeat and i was just doing that like wow. uh just for like i think it was about two three months because this obviously preceded covid i got to watch it slowly it was it was wild great debate it was such a great show but it was so ever there was so much tv mired by the beginning of the pandemic because like you know it was a live you know uh kind of like comedy game show with a live studio audience, okay. we had like cosplayers coming in, sitting in the front, and then it was like really fun. And then COVID happened, so then like slowly you had you know not as much, many live studio audience we could have in there. Then it v- eventually fully got nixed. Then you had like people, you know, it was very early, so you had people definitely afraid of you know the COVID and wanting to be it safe. So we had like guests dropping out. It was and then like it it was so wild because like I got to do it and like when you watch it now it looks amazing they it cut amazing you hear an audience but when I did it there was no audience it was just the crew and um and it was like it was it, it's, it's real tough yeah but it 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 flowed better because I think you have the crew who knows the show better so they're laughing at the points you kind of want them to laugh at the any anytime okay, you do cool. comedy with like real audience you never know when they're gonna laugh because they're gonna be like like they're gonna laugh at what they find funny and it might not be the perfectly crafted joke it might be the way that you you know transition into your next joke so but yeah i did i so that's kind of very similar to what happened in this uh situation with um with apex because apex my buddy manny he's one of the lead writers and I've known him since my UCB days. Um, and ever since, like, he started with Titanfall, Titanfall 2. Then he was, like, the lead writer for Apex. And I remember the moment he said that, I was like, if you ever need a writer, if you ever need a writer. And he'd, and he'd kind of, like, laugh it off. And then eventually, like, a couple of months ago, he's like, hey, uh, can, uh, can we schedule a meeting with you? And Yo. I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> and so... 
yeah, I, I, I'm super stoked. I'm ready to do Apex and all this stuff. And it's funny because right before that meeting, I met on Grand Crew, which is a show for NBC that my homies like making. And, you know, we you we met. And it's funny because like, you know, just because necessarily your homies doing the show, it doesn't like guarantee it. You know, you, you definitely get a better chance because you have someone who like believes in you, but it doesn't guarantee it. But it's been a while since I met. So I pretty much assumed I didn't have it. So I was like, bet. Literally after I meet with Apex and I'm like, okay, we're good. I get the call and they're like, yeah, they want you on Grand Crew. Uh, So I was like, here we go again. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've just been, yeah, luckily, uh, you know, Apex worked with me on that. And they said, you know, we'll, you know, we'll like work your schedule uh, you know with that so that you can do it and then when grand crew wraps i can just hop on apex uh full you know back to full time plus there That's there tight. was like a a startup too so i was able to start full time and then work around grand crew now that we're on it and then you know hop back but it really was just kind of just saying yes and that's kind of just ever since i first 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 came out here um and i say came out here very loosely because i'm an la native and by mm-hmm. came out here i mean like coming to la proper i mm-hmm. you live in the city of yeah, LA, yeah. right yeah i was i was in compton and then from compton i was in downey then i was in long beach and i was in like garden grove for a year before i came to la proper so i've always been around and i always wanted to act but you know you know nigerian parents he wasn't having that and it wasn't until I, about I to could ask, do... like that's definitely my next question. Like, how would you get into this, especially like with being oh. African and all? <laughs> oh man! So I've always wanted to act my whole life, and my dad never was about that. He was like, "What? I, mean, I, can, I can only imagine." <laughs> yeah, he was, he was like, "You need to be a doctor or a lawyer, any of that." And so it was something, but it was just like a passion I always had, and. One thing I will, I haven't given credit to him for in the past, but I will give him credit for is I did do a play senior year for As You Like It. And he did after that, he got it. He liked seeing me on the stage wow. and he was like, yeah, you should do this. But this was kind of after a lot of like foundational breakdown. Mm-hmm. Like, it's funny because it seemed like it's just truly like I said, it just truly is interesting looking back because i've looked back so often especially as i meet people who had these clear plans for what they wanted to do to college they had a plan from high school to the college some folks you know med school like they had that locked down that was something that didn't come to me and i've always attributed it to being an aloof or or like out there mm-hmm. and you know, as I get, have gotten older and have run back the the tapes and what I've been through in high school, what it really came down to was that I was this artistic kid. I wanted to be an artist. That was the first thing I wanted to be. I wanted to like be an drawing, artist, like painter yeah. or whatever. So I was like, like I was drawing. I was and I was getting in trouble with my dad because I he, he was saying I was doodling I instead of studying. <laughs> yeah. And I was truly passionate in a way when I think back to it. There was this site called Polycarbon BBS. It was ran by this one dude who did like concept art for video games. And they would do these things called a a fight club. 
And the way it worked was everyone would draw a sketch of their main character. And there usually was a theme or it was like, sometimes it was like an anime battle. So you had to draw, you know, anime characters. But, and then after that, after everyone agree upon the terms, the characters' abilities, everyone would take a turn writing like two to three pages. And it would be this RP, but done with art. Was really great and what was really cool too is they didn't really discriminate based on your artistic skills so sometimes you would design this cool character and you'd have this super dope artist who would just kill it and do your character in their art style and you're like oh that's the potential and i was doing that i was using my dad's scanner in the office uploading you know comic pages but then i was getting in trouble because he's like oh you're not paying attention to school you're doing these comics Mm-hmm. And I, and looking back, I'm like, wow, he was so focused on me, you know, going down this one path that he was missing that he had a mm-hmm. child inking, which uploading comics. Do. Yeah, just mm-hmm. going all out. And eventually I took a, a drawing class and he the teacher straight up like first class was like, I don't like anime. I don't like cartoons. I like realistic drawing. So like it really killed my passion because I would do his assignments that were life drawings, get good grades on that. And then when he was like, draw whatever you want, I'd do like an anime drawing or drawing in my style and I would get bad grades. So it was really just sitting in the class and having someone be like, the thing you want to do is bad. This thing that you really don't have fun doing is good. Uh, Hmm. But essentially what I talk about running the tape my dad pushed so hard against everything I want, like I wanted to do uh, art. And he said, no, you don't do, you you know, don't, don't do it. You you should probably do computer science because you like it. And essentially mm-hmm. looking back, I kind of figured, oh, I had a passion. I had a road I wanted to go down like every other kid. That road was blocked. Mm-hmm. So I just stopped caring. And that's gen- generally what happened is the thing I was told the thing I wouldn't, I wanted to do, I couldn't do. And so I just, and I noticed that is a thing that I can, I, I, it could be a fault of my own, even as an adult, where if I'm working on something or I'm real excited about a story or a, a, a version of the character, and then I get told you know, or gets noted away or that it gets changed. I'm not as excited about it and I'm not as invested. And, you know, obviously as an adult, I know now to correct that because it's a collaborative experience, but as a kid, like, yeah, I totally just school just shut shut down. And so I say all that to say, even though my dad was like, yeah, this acting thing was great. By then I was already in, you know, just shut down mode. So my first, like, two, three, four years in community college, I was just farting around. I really wasn't doing anything. Uh, And so my dad got me a job working for the LA County Register Recorder because he worked there. And he was like, well, it seems in his brain, he was like, you're not going to do school. So I might as well make sure you have a good job. And then eventually I found, you know, I was dating someone who was in a black box theater production of, um, little shop of horrors and it just came back to me i remember sitting in the audience watching her perform and i was like oh yeah this is what i wanted to do 
this is my passion. So then she spoke to the director, got me in another play, and then it was kind of history from there because I was doing improv at the time, but it it didn't quite connect to me. Uh, the power of improv yet. I'll say that corny line right now, and we'll get back to that later. Uh, but like, I, you know, to me, it was just a fun thing I did with my friends. Like I really didn't understand it. So then I started, you know, getting reinvested in acting. So I really fall in love with it again. And then another thing happened, buddy of mine, Matt Apodaca, here's the Donald Glover episode of WTF. And in that episode, he's like, oh, there's not that many black improvisers at UCB. And he lists off names and it was a wild thing because there was no reason he should have. But when I didn't hear my name there, I was like, okay, that's where I need to go. Because in my head I where I was doing improv, cause I was good at that. I felt like I was good at that. I felt like I was the big, big fish in that scene. And I might've been the big fish in that scene, but it wasn't the scene. You know what I'm saying? So after hearing that, I immediately like sign up for UCB classes. I start taking it. I'm going downtown to unlike the the commute to even getting to UCB was wild because I had to take the Metro Link from Norwalk down to Los Angeles to get to Hollywood to get to this actor's studio on Melrose in time for a six o'clock class and then by the time the class would be done, which is like nine or 10, I would have to shoot all the way over using a bus station back to Orange County because that's when I was in Garden Grove. Wow. And I'd get home at two when I had to wake up at wow, five. Two. Yeah, because it just because the bus system was just so slow at that time. Uh, so that but I was it was like my favorite day of the week, even though it was a sleep deprived so much effort like i had to like sneak out of work i had my homie uh uh who would cover for me um because i would have to leave 30 minutes early to catch this train there was no oh, other wow. way so he would you know if someone came looking for me he'd be like oh he's in the bathroom and you know <laughs> it was like 30 minutes so you 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 it was it was so like easy to like not mm -hmm. get away with just you know 30 minutes one time a week and i was just doing this run and I ended up doing an indie improv show and talking to someone and telling them how I want to be this actor and I don't know where to start. And they just immediately put me on game. They were like, well, you need to go to LA casting. You need to do actors access. You need to be upload a new headshot. Just keep submitting. This casting director has got to get used to seeing your face and then you'll start getting auditions and then you just do it. It's like that. And I was like, and I, but the, the, the power of improv line that I mentioned and without, I'm going to come through is I remember coming up to the person, the way this conversation started was, I was like, you know, I'm trying to be an actor, um, you know, and she was like, you are an actor. I was like, what do you mean? She was like, well, you do improv and that's just acting without a script. And mm -hmm. I, and it was just the one-two punch I needed to just light the fire under my ass. And then before I knew it, I was getting auditions and I was like calling out sick for work for auditions because they'd be in the day and this was a nine to five uh -huh. job. And oh man, like I was, I like used up so much sick time. I ended up getting suspended from work and Ooh. it was, it was going south, 
And then one big event happened where I knew I was going to go to New York for a week for Del Close Marathon because I told myself, I was like, if I go out to the Del Close Marathon, they'll know I'm dedicated. Everyone in the improv scene here will know I'm dedicated because I took the time to get out there. And the second thing was I actually ended up booking a short film that was going to need me for a week. So that's when I had to make the jump. Cause I had no sick time. They, they weren't going to give me any time. I was already had disciplinary accident. So I had to quit my job. And that's when my dad almost blew a head gasket. He was like, you're going to leave this job for right. benefits. And I was like, yeah, I got to, cause I got to. Um, and it was like my mom and my dad was kind of tripping. But what I'd said that I, that won my mom over. And once I had my mom on my side, like, I was like, okay, it doesn't matter that my dad, you know, because at least one of my parents are on my side. Uh-huh. But I told my mom that I would rather try and do this acting thing and fail than to be sitting at work 20 years from now wondering what would have happened if I actually gave it a shot. That's it. Because. Right Cause, cause I, I, cause you know, it's it's a county job. It's a good job. It has good benefits. If you just stay there, you get a guaranteed promotion every year. So you see so many people who have stayed in the same position for 20, 30, 40 years. And really, you know, coming in there at a young age and seeing that and seeing them be like, damn, how did this happen? I was like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that person mm-hmm. just with years under my belt, just sitting there waiting for retirement, wonder just because it's all I have left. So once once my mom heard me say that, she was like, OK, I get it. You should go for it. And then it was kind of kind of history. I quit and it was not easy. It was I, I was just talking um, to my girlfriend about this, how like. It went from because, you know, you had like a guaranteed paycheck every two weeks that was really solid to like working part time jobs and you're auditioning. You're not really booking much, you know, so I truly I but I look back on those times and the thing the way I knew I was doing the right thing was even when I was like at my brokest, not knowing how I was going to pay rent, not really knowing, you know, what I was going to eat. But I was just happy going around town to these auditions just for the chance, just because I was in the running to try and get one of these gigs. I was so much happier than if I was sitting at that desk. So I knew I was already doing the right thing. So uh, that's the origin. And then I'll run quickly between the origin and now to how it got. It was obviously a lot of work, a lot of reps. I was doing improv, eventually met you know, six other like-minded fellas who like improv and we wanted to start an all black improv team called white women. We started doing that. It, it came at the right time. It was right when, you know, there were calls for diversity in the improv space. So like we just took full advantage of all the opportunities we were getting. Cause everybody, you know, was putting us up. We were doing reps and we were like doing really well. Like everyone on the team with some hitters, you know? So it really was like a super kismet situation because like, I didn't even know any of these dudes. The way I ended up on the team was a friend I had from an improv class was like, yo, these dudes are starting an all black improv team and you should be on it. And then he sends an email to them with me CC'd on it. 
And that's what, and they were saying, they were oh, like, wow. you were CC'd on it. So we couldn't like not say you could join because Dang. you were already <laughs> in it. So like, uh, it was like, cause they didn't know me. So they probably would have just been like, oh, okay. You know, if he, if he just would have passed yeah, along whatever. the email, but because I was CC'd, they had to do. Mm -hmm. it. And these dudes are, I'm so close with, but back then had no clue. And we just, yeah. And so doing improv with them and at UCB, I was on a mess hall team, which was kind of like the step right before getting on a Herald team. And, you know, just everyone I met there just presented opportunities. And that's why, you know, what I talk about is like, you know, opportunities and like what you do with said opportunities, because like, I was getting auditions you, to to things that my friends were writing on, but those aren't you know you, those aren't free. You know, not like you have to pay, but it's not like you just get it. You you get opportunities through these connections. You get to auditions, but you still got to audition. Mm -hmm. You still got to win over the casting director. You still got to win over the rest of the producers. You know, they're just a writer, so they're you know they don't the have door, that much weight. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So I went in. Uh, and right before this, actually, because this was um, for Workaholics, my friend Jen Murphy, and the reason I mentioned Mess Hall, we were on a Mess Hall team together, and they know me through improv, so they were like, oh, this role might be good for Iffy. I go into an audition and kill it. But before that, my boy Andy T has a podcast called Yo, Is This Racist? And they had a, they were going to make it an MTV show. I go on audition for it. I test. Uh, you know, I test for it. It was great. It was really close. Apparently, it was down to one exec who wanted this other guy instead of me and but mm. they liked me so much they had me come do a sketch so you know i still made a little bread you know the show didn't end up going but you know that's kind of that's kind of like step one the reason i mentioned that test in that show is because those the people who produced that also produced uh workaholics um oh, wow. uh, uh, serious business is what they're called and um and i was acting it was halfway through the day and it was kind of we were chilling and when the guys came he was like hey you killed it in your test and you killed it in the sketch that you were in for the yo is this racist uh you're really funny here uh have you considered writing would you would you ever consider writing for at midnight i was like yeah he was like okay well i want you to submit a packet for the next uh, the next uh season i submit a packet and i get in and it was it was real it was real dope and it was funny because all that time i thought like maybe all those connections you know connections help but really what i found out is they did blind reads of packets so it wasn't even like you know like anything helped they did blind reads of packets and i got picked then so after that once i have my foot in the door I just, it's just kind of been the same thing where it's been like yes 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 and i didn't get to hit on everything but i you know but that's kind of what the one thing if anyone takes anything from this and i by the time this comes out hopefully i will have written this because it's funny that we're talking about this today because i was talking about because i saw some friends talking about moving to la and moving to this and that um, and I want to write kind of like the stuff that worked for me and maybe like something that'll help. So hopefully that'll be out too. But the biggest thing I can say is like, say yes to everything you can, 
and that you have the bandwidth for. Because I feel like a lot of the advice that kind of is going around as of recently is like, know your worth and like, make sure you're getting, you know, paid appropriately, which is true. It's very important. It's very true. But I don't think that's necessarily a note that everyone uh, needed in a way, like everyone wants to get paid. You know, I, I don't think that's yeah, starting I think, out, right? Yeah. You know, I think the, the, best advice I can give you is like less so knowing your worth, even though you should, that's these go hand in hand. It's not one or the other. Uh, but I think it's also know the budget because there have been people who want to get, you know, a certain amount. They, 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 they value their time and they know the value of that time. And they may be approached by a peer who can't afford that time, but, you never know where your peers will be. Now, I'm not saying if a corporation, if a company's coming to you. No, know your worth. But I think we're everyone wants to work up. No one wants to work with their peers. No one wants to create great mm-hmm. things with their peers. And I've seen so many people burn themselves by, you know, having these, you know, strict rates that they're sticking with, with the, with their peers who just are working on shoestring budgets to make something dope. And then that shoestring budget thing they make pops off. And now they do have a budget. And now they're wondering why that same peer isn't going to come back to them now that they do have a budget. But it's like, that's because you didn't help them when they need the, they, it's not like hate or anything. Mm-hmm. You didn't and show honestly, how real you were before the money. Right? Yeah. And it's not even a thing where it's like, look, if you dope, they, they'll come around and pay you eventually, but just know that on that journey to dopeness, that journey to undeniability, there's so many opportunities in helping each other out. Like I, you know, I do my, me and college humor go way back. Uh, me and funny or die go way back, you know? I do all this stuff for them now, but I started off by like one doing like one uh, 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 unpaid, like kind of background thing for them. Then it's like an unpaid, like one line thing in a sketch. And then they're like, we got budget. Now I'm getting paid. They get more budget. I'm getting paid more. Like, it's like, they all want everyone to level up together and it's not personal. It's just like, this is what we got. This is what we're trying to make. And we want to see if you can help us. Like, once again, I, I have to repeat, that doesn't mean that, like, if Microsoft is hitting you up and they're not <laughs> trying to pay, definitely don't. But I'm, yeah. I'm talking strictly your peers. I think we're so afraid to make dope stuff together because everyone wants the fast right. They're like, if I make something with Issa Rae, I'm on. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing about that is that's not even the case. Like, if you think about everyone who's been on Insecure and look at every person, like, not everybody popping like that who was on it not just because they had a guest star in insecure doesn't mean they career is set you know mm-hmm. and honestly insecure is also still a great example because isa went out of her way and everyone who was on her web series an awkward black girl got a piece of pie somewhere in insecure she booked mm-hmm. them at some point in there i had a home homie who i met through ucb who was like one of the legal you know persons who he'd get a line here and there it was the white dude he get a line here and there and but it wasn't about like you know him getting like he was getting paid you know way probably way more on a on a hbo show getting multiple days 
all why? Because he held her down when they were peers. And then when she leveled up, she get, took care of him. So I think people don't think like that because, you know, it's all about like instant gratification. Also, I get it. We got bills to pay, but that's why I say what's in your bandwidth. Cause like sometimes, you know, you may want to help, but you worked a double shift and then you had this and that, that ain't, you ain't the villain. You take care of yourself first, but also, you know, be collaborate, make dope stuff with dope people. Cause you don't realize that you never know where the people at your level will be even in a year. Yeah. That's what's up, man. Like, I'm really happy, you know, that you were able, you know, to have that sort of foresight to work with just as many people as possible and to say yes to so many opportunities. And here you are popping all the way out. And it's, mm-hmm. it's awesome to see the success. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I guess like, right. Like, I mean, also you like, I appreciate telling like that whole story. Like, you know, it's really cool. I was, I had always wondered like how you got started, especially being Nigerian, you know, I can, even me, you know, my parents still ask me, Hey, when are you going back to medical? And I'm very happy where I am, but (laughs) you know, but whatever, you know, like we're here, we're doing good stuff and, you know, making names for, for our people. So I guess like, uh, now, like, like, man, it's like, you are like, so you do your Twitch stuff, right? You do your podcast, mm-hmm. like you do this writing also, I guess, what, well, um, for me, like being um, a layman, I guess, like what goes into writing for a TV show or in like these, these shows? Like, I don't, I don't really oh, think yeah. I understand no. that. Uh, writing's fun. So there's, there's a few different. I'm trying to think of the best way to say this. Um, like first off and foremost, you just already have like multiple different ways and types of shows that you write, right? Like at midnight was typically like a late night show. And your late night show varies. For at midnight, I could just tell you the way we did it was we had researchers that went all over the internet for like the funniest and most viral things that have happened the past day. Then we would go through then they would pick what they felt was the funniest or fit the show the best. Then as a room, uh, a writer's room, we'd all sit around as the head researcher would take us through each of these stories. And we would just like, as naturally jokes came up and came out, we would just crack them just naturally shooting off jokes. And then that through that, once we finish all of them, we kind of go through and see which ones we can make props for. If you don't remember at midnight, the way the show works is there was a news article or something that went viral. And then there would be a prompt that would do a joke. So uh, the best example is like when Obama said was leaving office and he was like, Oh, I need a, I'm going to need a job. And then Spotify tweeted at him. Well, you can be the president of playlists. So the prompt that we came up with that news article is, um, what uh what is what is uh gosh what was it it was like what will obama do as president of playlist mm-hmm. and what that is is like you're basically doing the setup and then every answer is going to be a punchline so first off and foremost you have to write the prompt that chris is going to read so you go through you write a prompt and you just kind of fill it with jokes uh, a lot of like it was a pre it was pre formulate by the time i got there where like you know a lot of times chris would have like you know um it would be like funny descriptor the person 
what the news story is, the fu- f- a funny joke about it, and et cetera, et cetera. And then after after we all had our prompts in, we'd send them in to the head writer, and then he'd like punch them up and fix them. And then we would, at the same time, they would take just the prompt out and put it in a doc where all the other comedians will uh, sit around and just write jokes aka answers for all of them so then when our guests come in they can come in and pick a an answer and use it or they come up with their own but basically we just would do that so that if 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 we have like an actor like actors and actresses who aren't like comedians you know they can come in and look like rock stars doing these jokes um and that's kind of how at midnight ran and then you have like a show like um uh let's say I did a, a interactive show for this a platform called echo called the wizard in the rent. And this one was complicated because this was a choose your own adventure show. So what we would do in that case is we would basically engineer outlines. Right. And so we first things first is you come up with the season arc, what we want to happen throughout the season, what are the different results that they can probably get. Then through that, you would go through the episode outline. So we knew what was going to happen in the episode. We knew what needed to happen at the end, what we needed to achieve. Mm-hmm. So Start knowing that, gotcha. yeah, we had the different beats. Usually with the wizard and the rent, we like to have like one magical event that's going to happen per episode. And the user gets to pick, you know, which, um, which way, like which, um, which path yeah yeah which path they could do and we had two types of magic you can use so we and we and this one was hella like um ambitious like there was a system that was letting you level up your magic the more you used a certain magic uh so you were writing like stories and three different beats per stories and then three different so it was like a lot so it was like a five minute experience and it would be like almost 20 pages. Yeah. And just so you know why that's wild is typically the way TV is written or, or most media screenwriting is written is your uh, it's a page per minute. So like for a for a um you know 30 minute comedy, you know, you put 26 pages cuz to account for commercials. Uh for a 120 minute movie, 120 pages. So the fact that you're writing 20 minutes of content for a 5 minute experience is like wildlife. Yeah, it is. Uh but and that's how that went and that's why it was special. With the with this writers room I'm in, this is like my first network narrative show mm-hmm. and with this one it's 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 pretty similar to the echo show except i don't need to write multiple outcomes we kind of like figured out where we wanted the the you know you figure out where you wanted the arcs of all the 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 characters you want you you figure out the arcs of all the characters that you want them to go through Mm -hmm. and then you start to weave them in together and you hit stories uh sometimes you'll do it like Sometimes you'll want each episode to have a theme. Sometimes you'll want each episode to have an event based on whichever way you go about it. You kind of carve that out via outline. And then you as a room will just go through and pitch on things that you think could happen, 
beats that can happen, things the character can do or say. And then it gets carved out into a two pager where it's like a two page breakdown of the A, B and C story and like the thought that went into it, why you want it to happen, how it happens and what that means for the character and why it's happening in the show. Then from there, you kind of uh, you can you break out the script. The script is written, rewritten, read with the um, read either at the table read or with the room. Then in the room, you're pitching on lines, so you're p- joke pitching to punch it up, and then you just kind of ship it out. So those are like the three general ways i've written thing i hope that wasn't just information no. soup i mean you're making a dope. face I have, like i feel like i see it but like yeah you know, i'm just sort of imagining like what a writer's room looks like uh imagining like throwing out ideas i, I guess like it's like a brainstorm of sorts right yeah yeah the but best be, like, way witty, to imagine though, right? a, a writer's room is like you know think of like a group of people sitting at a table someone's and the works on the screen and you're just kind of like pitching out jokes, the jokes you find funniest and pitching out like story beats that you think are great. And it's, it's really chill and it's super fun. It can get, you know, pretty intense. Um, just when you're starting to push up against deadlines or when, you know, just like, just because there's so many people doesn't mean that writer's block doesn't happen or that it gets hard to break a certain story. Sometimes mm-hmm. you're, you're not, trying to you're just kind of up against this wall trying to find the best way to go about this story especially now when like it feels like everything has been done so you're also trying to find like a unique way you're also trying to make it something that isn't obvious like what is the the thing that you don't expect Mm -hmm. so it's 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 genuinely fun that's dope. That's really dope. Uh, like, I, I mean, like, I, I would love to like see it one these days, but you know, that's yeah. a whole nother thing. But that's cool, you know, see the how the meat gets made in the kitchen behind, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh yeah. Man, and then also, I guess, like, as a last thing, you know, since uh, for this podcast, we always talk about nerd shit, <laughs> and then you did talk about like how, um, you know, you tried to draw anime and such, right? So oh, I yeah. guess, like, I would ask, like, how, I guess, like, how is your nerd culture, like? been a part of you i mean you do twi- twitch stuff you do a lot of nerd stuff you oh know, yeah. i love your tweets uh, but i guess like how does like integrate like into your life and then also i guess like even being uh nigerian still like is that, is that like a, a chip on your shoulder too like that's a second question is that a chip on your shoulder like as you do uh this creativity stuff or uh, has it helped uh it's definitely helped i feel like i want i use that as now i'm at the point where i'm starting to tell my own stories and i do look at it as a way to make stories that haven't been seen or heard, you know, you do, mm-hmm. you know, we are having a lot of Nigerian storytellers, you know, come out and making stories that tap into our culture. And I just want to be a part of that. You know, there's, there's so much of our storytelling, especially when it comes to magical things and adventure and mystical things is so Eurocentric that like there's so much good stories to be told that comes from you know nigerian folklore and and so like that i really i really really like uh want to do i think as far as like nerdy stuff oh it helps me with everything especially when i'm doing things like like 
you know, writing for a video game, you know, like it's, it's there, it's hard not to let it influence you or, you know, when I'm writing shows with some action in it, you know, it all, it all kind of comes back into it and it just uh, makes me excited to keep creating, seeing how many like little references I can make to things that I know black nerds like me would flip their shit over. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I guess, like, uh, what are you most into now? Like, just on the outside when you do get a chance to relax? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I'm definitely into catching up on these animes that I've missed. Uh, I just finished watching Death Note for the first time, uh, which was super fun. I didn't even realize that it's the same person who's making Attack on Titan. I finished up Attack on Titan. Uh, And, yeah, the new Evangelion movie went hard. Oh, man, I still got to see that too. I'm hoping to see yeah. that later this week. Man, All right. Cool stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. You know, like, I'm really happy uh, that you're out there representing us. Uh, and yeah, you know, I'm really to. excited to see it, bro. You're doing it. Like, and I even trying. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, thank you so much for, you know, joining the podcast. It was wonderful hearing your stories. And, you know, it's given me more uh, juice myself. You know, I came into LA thinking it was going to be like La La Land. And, you know, just like, oh, little kid in a big city who just doesn't know like what's going on especially like when you know you're african uh you know family doesn't really have that sort of mm-hmm. um that push behind you like they support it but you know not really yeah but, yeah, they're, know, they're, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and you know then also like being a nerd on top of that too it's always tough but you know hearing your story and also of course just seeing your success uh online you know made me want to talk with you and i'm really happy got to hear your story thank you so much i guess yeah. uh where, where can people find your stuff and uh i guess keep up tabs with you yeah just uh iffy whitey way on twitter and instagram if you follow me there you'll know everything i'm up to that's what's up thank you so much uh, it's always a pleasure talking with you can't wait to hang out uh yes. finally now <laughs> and uh um you know also you know you're a dope guy I definitely hope to bring you on the podcast some more and just keep hearing about like what you're up to yeah please do have me back whenever hey, thank you so much also your voice is spectacular it was wonderful. just like <laughs> listening i was like i can just listen to this for a long time oh thanks <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so yeah thank you so much and to everyone that's listened the whole way thank you very much you guys are very dope as always peace, peace.